0: Welcome to the In One Podcast, where you'll get an inside look at stories
1: from the Clemson MBA team, as well as entrepreneurs and innovators from Greenville, South Carolina, and beyond. Brought to you by the Pfeiffer Innovation Hub at the Clemson University MBA program.
0: In one, this is Jamie Patterson coming to you live from the Pfeiffer Innovation Hub. I'm excited for you all to join us today. We have with us uh, MBA alumni and dear friend of the program, Nicole Andrews. Nicole, how are you today? I
1: am wonderful. It is so good to see you. You too. I mean, it's a beautiful, well, I, I said that, but it's, it's kind of cloudy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's sunny. It's sunny in the
1: studio because we're here, here today. together. Yes. <laughs>
0: Well, I know you're busy and I I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to come talk with us today because we want to talk about your career. We want to talk about your time in the MBA program and what that's meant to you. And I just, from knowing you personally, know that you're going to give us some really great nuggets of advice and, and things to really think about as we go on in our day. So why don't you kick us off by telling us a little bit about you and, and your background?
1: Well, first, thank you for having me today. I love Fight for Innovation. I, I love that. That puts the pressure on, too. But, <laughs> <laughs> but for me, um, I want to kick off with something dorky because that's, that's who I am. I am a dreamer. And I believe that if you have consistent actions and habits and beliefs, you believe in yourself, you can do anything in this world. So I currently lead inclusion and diversity efforts as well as employee engagement efforts. And I, prior to that, was in HR. And I love working with the people side of the business. Obviously, there are people, clients, all of these things, products, services, but I feel like the people drive, drive all of that. So that's been very exciting for me. I started out um, in undergrad or after undergrad in sales, and so that was very exciting, too. But I realized that I wanted to help other people be successful. So uh, about me, that's really I'm an HR professional, was a sales professional prior to that. But the bulk of my career has been in HR really helping to drive people's success and helping them find that ideal place for them.
0: Well, it's interesting that you bring up sales, because I kind of have this idea that every person should be in a situation where they're they're in a sales role, particularly coming straight out, because it teaches you a lot about yourself, about adversity, about getting yes. the door slammed in your face. I mean, there's so many things that you can really
1: uh,
0: use in the rest of your career when you have a background in sales. Can you tell us what that's meant for you and in, in what you're currently doing?
1: Absolutely. Sales, Warren, I think it was Warren Buffett who said recently, and now a lot of people have come out and said this, sales is the number one driver of millionaires. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who have been millionaires started out in sales. Hey, I like the sound of that. But but, <laughs> <laughs> but actually, on a serious note, for me at the time, to be honest, I actually was a little nervous. Even after a week in sales, after undergrad, I was in my early 20s and I was nervous. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Fast forward four years after that, before I transitioned into HR, it was really the best thing that I could have done in my career. Um, Sales helped me handle objection. You had to learn how to say, I don't know the answer, but I will get back with you because sometimes you didn't know. There were so many things that we were trying to sell and so many different types of products. So being comfortable, being uncomfortable, I think is what sales taught me.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And I met you when you had already transitioned into HR. You had joined us um, in the MBA program. So why did you choose Clemson? What was it about the Clemson
1: MBA that, that made you come? Yes, I chose Clemson because I feel like Clemson has that family feel. And I know that's so cliche these days, but it really is a community of people who care about you. And even Jamie, the first time that I met you, I mean, you were concerned. You were asking, answering all of my questions. I had a ton. Everyone, yes, I I ask a lot of questions. (laughs) And I was also managing two different programs. And so I think just the way that you managed that and helped me navigate my fears and help me navigate the right path, um, that meant a lot to me because I felt like people here really cared about you. They didn't care about your tuition payment. I, I, I mean, I know that's important too, but they really cared about you as a person. I felt like you wanted me to be successful mm-hmm. and the classroom size was still a great, it was still small enough, but still large enough where you got to meet a lot of great people and collaborate, but still feel like you knew everybody.
0: And it was a good experience for you then?
1: It was a great experience. Like for me, the MBA was one of those things that I felt like undergrad was good, but I felt like coming back to get my MBA um, at Clemson, it really elevated my thinking. Um, It really allowed me to take What I had done now after undergrad, because I went back about six years after undergrad. So for me, it really allowed me to merge the two, merge the MBA and the lessons that I was learning in that program and actually apply them back into the workplace. And so Clemson's MBA is phenomenal. It's in the heart of downtown Greenville, South Carolina. And it's really, (laughs) I mean, it's become a part of the community. It's a fabric of who we are. And it's an excellent program. I mean, a lot of the students are really innovative. I know that's, again, it's when we come to alumni events, you just hear what people are doing. And we've had a lot of people doing, we have a lot of people doing some really great things. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So,
0: and, and being the overachiever that you are, you
1: mentioned you were doing two programs.
0: So tell everybody what you did.
1: <laughs> I, um, again, am crazy. <laughs> I did two masters while working full-time. And so what attracted me to the Clemson MBA was that it was for, they had a program for full-time students, but also um, part-time professional students. And I like that. It gave me that flexibility. Mm -hmm. The program is very flexible. Again, they want to see you win. They want to see you succeed. And also they were flexible in that. I started a year after I had already started a master's program in HR development. So that was the first one that I kind of under under, underwent um, that that whole experience and kind of getting through my first year in that program and then transitioning into doing both and it worked I mean it was tough at the time again I was crazy but it was a phenomenal experience because I was able to do both finish up one program and then a year later finish up the MBA
0: you're amazing You're just amazing. That's awesome that you did that. And I know that it really kind of shaped what was next for you. So can you tell us how doing both programs together, uh, then being in HR, how that shaped kind of how your career has grown and changed in, in the specific roles that you've gotten?
1: Yes, those programs for me and the roles that I've received, I remember sitting for, for me, learning is important and I realized that I wanted to start to think about a company or a place where I could really utilize what I've been learning in those programs. And so for me, moving out of sales into an HR role, but also moving on into a different company, I think for me, it really allowed me to talk about how I manage my time or how I am continuously learning. I feel like that's something that we shared a few weeks or no, actually months ago, Jamie and something else that we partnered on is that you have to, and I can't remember who, who this quote belongs to. So I apologize, but you have to learn and learn and relearn. And I think again, being in those programs and also how the pace of work and how the world of work is changing. It taught me how to do that because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know it all. I I will never know it all. And so I have to continuously learn. I have to continuously adapt. So for me in those roles, it just really forced me to continue saying, okay, what is different? What is new? What can I do to impact the people that I'm serving? What can I do to be successful in my role and better serve the organization, but better also serve um, the people in the organization and help them serve the clients?
0: Well, tell us a little bit more about your involvement now in diversity and inclusion within your organization, because I know that that's something that you've taken on recently. So we'd love to hear that, because something that we're really passionate about here at the MBA program is, of course, graduating inclusive leaders. Uh, we want to graduate inclusive leaders. We want to graduate resilient leaders. So talk to me a little bit about your current programming
1: in DNI. i So... For us, we actually lead with I. So at my current organization, we lead with inclusion because we feel like you could have a diverse group of people at the table. But if everyone doesn't feel like they can contribute or have a voice, it doesn't matter. It's Diversity is about representation and it's about difference. So we're all different. But inclusion means that I am invited and welcomed and my differences, not just my similarities, but my differences are valued and they're welcomed. And so really our whole, that whole effort really stems from us really trying to figure out what are the key things that we can do to drive awareness, but also drive um, really people sponsoring and advocating for those who are not like them. Because we know that sponsorship, people tend to sponsor those who are like them, whether it's, you know, a group of men going out on the golf course, and no one else is invited, or even a group of women who say, hey, I, I no matter who the group is, making sure that you're reaching out to someone who is different from you. And I remember we actually had um, some events that were community facing and it was women on boards and they invited a man, they had women and men on this panel and the man said, I actually would reach out to organizations to, to talk about how I could serve them on their board. He proactively did that. He proactively sought out companies that were growing and others on that panel said, I had never thought about that. That's the power of leveraging our differences as whether it's gender differences, whether it's something else, whether it's our thinking styles or cultural differences, that's the power of leveraging that. So everything that um, I've been involved in has been really around helping to drive that mission um, for the organization.
0: That's amazing. So what are the major goals going forward?
1: So the major goals there are three. Um, it's really around, again, creating that awareness because we don't know what we don't know. and sometimes things like implicit bias shows up. Mm-hmm. So you talked about inclusive leaders. One way to promote inclusive leadership is to make sure that people understand their biases because we all have them. So I'm not here saying, oh my gosh, I have perfected my biases. I don't have any. Um, and we all have them. So it's really making sure that the leaders and people in the programs or wherever they are, they are thinking about what are some of those subtle things that I don't know that I think about. It could be um, confirmation bias where I seek out the opinion of someone who I know is already going to validate that, that belief for me. Mm-hmm. Or it could be um, even things like affinity bias, which I reference. This person is like me and therefore we we both went to Clemson. And so I'm gonna advocate for that person to be hired. I'm gonna advocate for that person to be promoted just because I've connected with that person. And that's not a bad thing. But what happens is if that's all that if, if that's the only person or the only people that I'm promoting because I'm like them, whatever the background is, that's when we have to look at the impact of that. Mm-hmm.
0: The Clemson University MBA program is home to full and part-time corporate and entrepreneurship degree programs, a part-time business analytics program, and the new online MBA. Learn more at www.clemson.edu. Talk to me about the importance of mentors and sponsors. I know you mentioned that a little bit earlier with sponsorship, Um, but just uh, uh, personal stories, maybe from your life. How have mentors and sponsors helped you in your career?
1: Oh my gosh, I love this question. (laughs) (laughs) So, mentors and sponsors. First, Jamie, I have to share the difference between the two. Please do. So mentors are those individuals that, you know, definitely can have influence, but they give you advice. Mm -hmm. So they are someone who can be that go-to for you. They um, may be inside or outside of a company that you work with, um, but they are your go-to. They have kind of walk through the same path or maybe a different path but they've walked down that road and they can give you tips so you don't trip up as you head down your path whether it's career or life or family or whatever it is so your mentor is more of an advisor and they they talk with you mm-hmm. your sponsors on the other hand is someone who actually has influence and visibility and a lot of times they're going to be inside the organization they can be outside, and I've had some some mentors that have turned into sponsors who are outside of the organization. So I'll share that. But um, your sponsors are the people who use their chips on your behalf to make that next big project or that next big promotion happen for you. They are actually talking about you. So again, your mentors are talking with you and to you and giving you advice. Your sponsors are talking about you. They're in a room that you don't even know they're in, advocating for you and saying, "Hey, Jamie." Um, or hey, Jamie needs to be on your radar. Mm -hmm. She is phenomenal. Here is how she contributes. We need to think about her for future opportunities. And so your sponsor is really, there's a book called um, Forget a Mentor, Find a Sponsor. Mm -hmm. I actually believe in the value of both. Um, I think that you really need both. And having a mentor, some people don't even have mentors. And so I think that's a great way to start. But again, understanding that you really need to earn the right, for someone to talk about you in that way. And so really what you need is a sponsor to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, you, you talked about IND, and of course we can explore that and resilience and all of those things too a little bit further. But for me, a sponsor, the sponsors have really been critical. I have had sponsors who have advocated for me to get board opportunities that I would have never had otherwise. Um, I will also share that I did not want to do inclusion and diversity work. <laughs> And I know that's shocking, but I didn't. Um, I have to be transparent about that. I, When um, someone mentioned that, hey, you would be really good for this, I was an HR manager. My focus was on VP of HR or chief HR officer role. It was not inclusion and diversity. And I said, that's what I'm focused on. I don't know if I want to do inclusion and diversity because it's just who I am. Like, I feel like that's just a part of what I do or who I am. I don't need, you know, that that. Formal role, and I went to a mentor, and my mentor said, "You are focused on a title, Nicole. You need to focus on your purpose, wow. because this may be your purpose, but you're so you know set on this is the specific path, this is the specific title, and so flexibility is mm-hmm. huge, mm-hmm. and also being open to what your mentors share with you." even if it's challenging, even if it's hard to hear, even if you don't understand it. And so when she said that, I went back into the organization and I said, I am open to all opportunities, including an inclusion and diversity (laughs) role. And it honestly has been the most rewarding experience of my life, the most purposeful role that I've had, because you're dealing with a lot of factors with inclusion and diversity. But that that is pretty powerful that I don't know if I would have gone back without her really pushing and encouraging me to think more broadly about my career path.
0: Well, it's so powerful. And I love that you say purpose because that's what I feel like a lot of people are out there seeking. And even our students in the MBA program, yeah, you said Chasing a title versus a purpose—that is so. That's such a powerful thing to think about because I think we're all guilty of it at some some point in our life. How do you? How did you? And how do you find your purpose within this this crazy business world that we're currently living in?
1: Yes. So I am a big believer that, and we know this with um, millennials that. They want meaningful work. Mm-hmm. And we work with an organization on our employee eng- engagement efforts where they are showing that that's becoming really the center for a lot of people. They want purpose in what they mm-hmm. do. So for me, finding my purpose has been a lifelong venture or journey. And I feel like it's going to be that way. I feel mm-hmm. like we sometimes want to check a box and say, hey, here's the career, here's the perfect fit, here's, here's the path that I need to take. But most people aren't their degrees, whatever their majors are, they're not necessarily in that exact role. They're exploring different opportunities based on their their purpose. So for me, I've always been pretty introspective and sometimes that can be good, but sometimes it's not because I reflect a lot. And I look for the clues. Mm-hmm. I look for the clues to find my purpose and I'm continuing to do that. And so the way that that's evolved is I started realizing, again, the reason I moved from sales was, I started focused on focusing on other people's success. Mm-hmm. I started looking at who were the most successful sales reps, what kind of support that they have, who were what were they like, um, and that kind of gave me the clue that hey, I probably need to be supporting those individuals. Also, once I moved into an HR role, again looking at the clues in, ter- in terms of my purpose, really thinking about my ultimate vision, my ultimate mission, and again, my mentor challenged me to do that. Um, I was challenged to figure out what my vision was, and I am I am here to teach and inspire others to live their best lives. I know that that's what I'm put here to do, but not necessarily in a sense of going into a classroom necessarily and teaching. I could do that, but just whatever I do, whatever I'm doing, whether it's in an organization or in my own business, I am teaching people to live their best best life. And of course, there are a lot of layers beneath that, but that's really my purpose. And so I started thinking about what do people come to me for? And Jamie, a lot of people come to me for advice about whether it's things such as tactical, like resume help, mm-hmm. or, hey, um, I actually had someone um, who came to me, his mom was transitioning back into the workforce after over 20 years. Oh, wow! And he said, I know that you know, I trust you. I want you to, would you mind helping my mom? And so I actually helped his mom. She called me and we talked about her transition back and what she needs to think about in her resume. And she was thinking about going back to school. And we talked about maybe pausing for a year to figure out what does she really enjoy before she invests that time and that money into going back right away. So that way, when she does go back, it is something that she's like, okay, I've done this for a while. And I feel like this is something that I really want to explore. And so that people come to me about advice, whether it's internally at organizations or whether it's family, whether it's friends or others. When I come to alumni events, I feel like people are always connecting with me with people who want to enter into a certain career, but they don't really know how. Mm -hmm. And so finding my purpose has been about that, really. And I think that is something that I'll share here, too. Um, I I feel like I I found that.
0: What are you most proud of? I mean, you've done so much in your career. You have so many successes. Uh, looking looking to the past to the past few years for you, what are you most proud of?
1: I am most proud of several things. I would say that going back to the MBA program here at Clemson, I think that was a huge step for me, um, taking that leap to do something like that and just focus on it and just, just, That gives you, we talk about resilience. I think when you have to overcome difficult things and you have to push through, resilience is not about not falling. Resilience is about learning how to get back up Mm -hmm. when you do fall. And I, trust me, going through two programs, it took resilience to try to get back up every day with all the projects that I had that I was trying to manage. All of the things that I was trying to do between work and home life and school, it's a lot to juggle, but it's trying to push through anyway in the face of adversity so for me it's it's really one of the things that I'm most proud of is getting through that phase but also I think taking a risk Mm. I am not a huge risk taker Mm. and so for me taking a risk to move into a different role that I didn't really understand um I think that's huge. And I think that is what I am really, really proud of. Of course, there are a lot of personal things. I don't know if I can share here, but I'm proud um, to be, you know, just a mom and a wife and to be a, you know, for me personally, you know, trying to balance the career and everything. And I don't know if I believe in balance. I think you just, you really go with harmony and you really figure out what's priority um, in terms of, I know my family needs me. I know I need to commit this to my, my job, but Just go with the flow and just you figure it out as you go. Well,
0: I know you're not one to sit back and 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 rest ever. So you have all these things going on. You have work, you have family, you have boards. But I also know that you're a lifelong learner and you're constantly cooking up stuff. So what are you cooking up right now?
1: Oh my gosh! Okay, that's the loaded baked potato question. Um, I am in the process. I've read this book um, called The Big Leap, and I it had been recommended several times, and and I I felt like okay, I need to read this, and so I'm still on that journey. But there's four quadrants in The Big Leap. One is the zone of incompetence. One is the zone of competence. One is the zone of excellence, and the last zone is the zone of genius. Ah, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the zone of genius. And I realized that I'm really operating in the zone of excellence. And I think a lot of people, when they feel like they have reached some level of success, they're in their zone of excellence and they feel good. And like, again, I feel like my work is very purpose-filled, but I still feel like there's something else. There's something missing. And and again, people may say, well, what do you mean? I would love to do what you're doing. What you're doing is so exciting. It's so rewarding but there's something else. And so I realized that I wasn't, I'm still not operating in my zone of genius. And that's the place where, again, y- you are doing what you are born to mm-hmm. do, that only you can do. And so when you think about people in society, you know, who are doing what they, they're born to do, we can all picture and, you know, think about people like that. So so for me, I'm embarking on this whole journey of really Owning the fact that I want to do something to leave my impact through my business, my own business, my own company, and so um, I have a website called thenicoleandrews.com. It's T H E N I C O L E Andrews.com, and that site initially was meant to be just around my current brand and what I'm doing in my current role. But I met with a coach. And that coach challenged me to think about, it was so interesting because she thought, well, your path is I and D, your path is this, mm-hmm. you could do all of these things. And in talking to her, I realized that, again, my vision is to teach others to live their best life, teach and inspire them. I want to help individuals. And then I had to start peeling back the later layers, which individuals? And I realized for me, I can help anyone with career advice and things like that, but really helping working moms. That was something that I realized, and again, can help anybody from a career standpoint. But I realized that I had a heart for those moms who are, um, again, wanting to find inspirational work. They're wanting to find that purpose. And they feel like, I am not, I don't want to sacrifice more time with my family Mm -hmm. to go to a place that I don't really. That doesn't light me up one hundred percent. That when I wake up, I don't wake up inspired. And so again, most people will say, "Well, a job is a job is a job." I don't. I I think differently. You know that. So for me, I feel like there is. There's not one perfect path per se. Like in terms of your career, I think we all have multiple possibilities. But I do think that we have been taught to take a job versus really think about our career mm-hmm. and what that path should look like. So I want to help that particular group find a path that really lights them up and that really fires them up. So I'm on. I'm embarking on this journey of really building my brand around that and rebranding because I think that's my zone of genius. That's what I want to do. That's what lights me up.
0: I love it. And that's exactly what I was gonna say is I think you're probably already in the genius <laughs> area. But um but this is just gonna gonna take it to the top and and I just appreciate um and, and I love this, um, that everything that you're doing is truly about supporting others and um it just it makes us so proud to to have you as an alum but as a partner in the program too. Um, because people, I mean, people can probably feel it now, but just being in the same room as you, you just feel a light about somebody and somebody that truly cares and is really inspired to help other people. So we're excited to watch you on this journey to see you get beyond genius. Um, But I do want to ask you, I mean, I feel like you have a lot of great advice to give, clearly, Um, for young professionals, for, for some of our students that are maybe just entering the MBA program with not so much work
1: experience, what's the best advice you would give them? For individuals entering the MBA with not a lot of work experience, I would say own your difference. Because again, a lot of people come into an MBA program and they think that's the ticket, right? You know, that is what is going to get them that next opportunity. Yes, that is going to elevate you. I am a big proponent of continuing education. Obviously, I you know, so for me, that's very important. And I feel like that's going to get you an opportunity. But what's going to also elevate is why you're here is what is that difference for you? How are you going to be of service to others? What is that thing that you can do with that MBA to be of impact to the, to others? And so I, I believe some of the things and one of the things that stood out to me when I was in the program was we were on the cutting edge. Now everyone knows who Simon Sinek is mm-hmm. and they've heard, you know, the power of why or, you know, ask why and all of these things and um, the importance of that. But I remember that was years and years ago now. And we were talking about that, that TED Talk was shown in in class. So I feel like what the MBA program is exposing you to are people on the cutting edge and who are very progressive. And so you have to, again, marry that to your difference in who you are. So my advice would be to do that. My advice would also be to network. I know that that's a scary work for a lot of people and people, it's kind of broad, but network, build relationships. I have so many alum and people that i am connected with and we support each other or they may um, again, hear someone who's looking for an opportunity and, and say, hey, this person may be a great fit for you all or vice versa. So really networking with the other students that are here. And lastly, really understand. Really understanding, kind of going going back to your purpose. Mm-hmm. I think being here in the MBA program, there's there's a lot that you will be exposed to, a lot of different courses. See which ones light you up. Again, I'm going back to looking for the clues as you're here, look for the opportunities and look to see which classes, which ones are um, really sparking an interest with you, which ones are really kind of, you're like, gosh, I really want to explore that a little bit further. Mm -hmm. I really want to um, understand that. But but those are kind of my advice.
0: I love that. That's perfect. And in terms of inspiring for yourself. I know you've talked about the people inspiring you and purpose inspiring you, but just in terms of a, of a broader philosophy on life and success, what is that for you? What gets you out of bed and, and excited every morning?
1: For me, what I think about is my 80, 90 year old self. Okay. <laughs> I do. I think about what do I want people to know? Mm-hmm. What do I want to have left behind in the world? And um, I love a quote from Oprah. It's from a conversation that I believe she had with um, Dr. Brene Brown, but it's called, you can't live a brave life without disappointing some people. Mm. So for me, I am such, I I did like a TEDx open mic um, last year on the uh, magic of nonconformity. I just my philosophy is really being who you are. Again, it goes back to that because I want to be that person that had an impact. I want to be that person that found my service to others. And so for me, my philosophy is really, really living a brave life and not wanting to people please or not wanting to be liked by others because we live our life trying to be accepted, trying to be validated. That's normal. But if you live your whole life, whether it's family, whether it's the mate that you choose, whether it's whether or not you have children, whether it's whether or not you um, what type of career path, you will find something that's not fulfilled in you mm-hmm. if you are constantly trying to please other people or be like them um, because you're comparing yourself to, to who they are. We live in a social media environment, so <laughs> everyone's Damn. looking on social media. And so it's great to see that some people are doing social media binges because it's really this comparison syndrome and comparison really kills success. It really, it really hurts success. So comparison, um, I think for me, it's just living the life that I choose to live in service to others, not the life that others have created for me or told me that I should live.
0: I love that comparison kills success. Can we quote you on that? Yes. That'll be... <laughs>
1: I don't, I think it's been said in other forms, but yes, <laughs>
0: it, that, that's a, that's a beautiful point. Um, I know we have to let you go soon, but but before we wrap up, I really want to know, how do you do it all and keep a smile on your face and, and this light about you? Because I think everybody can walk away from listening to this today with so many awesome takeaways and hopefully feeling really inspired. So how do you do it all?
1: So I would say I don't. Um, I don't do it all. And I think that's the misnomer out there. You know, the um, misconception that you can actually have it all, do it all, be it all. And I think that For me, it's learning to say no, and that's hard because I know there's a lot of people like, say yes, say this, but I really believe that sometimes you have to learn how to say no, Um, and also you have to ask for help. I am not someone that likes to ask for help. It does not come easy for me because I I just want to prove that I can do it, but I think that in order to have some type of life, you have to ask for help you have to be willing to say no, but you also have to be willing to say yes to, Mm -hmm. to the right things. So I think it's, it's, that is a little, um, a little bit balanced. Um, and just being present. I think just becoming a mom for me, I think was probably one of the most significant things in my life because, I have learned, I'm a long-term thinker. I'm always thinking again about my 80-year-old self or, you know, of the, the, you know, I feel like just being in the moment with her, she forces me to be present Mm -hmm. because that time is only but a, it's only but a short window of time. It seems like forever when you're in it, but it's just a glimpse, and so it's just you know it's gone in the blink of an eye, and then you know she's going off to college, and I'm I'm crying. So <laughs> I think that I think that just being in the present, mm-hmm. learning how to say no, but also when to say yes, and really focusing in on um, you know again being owning your difference and all of those things that I've said. Yeah, I'm just that's that's what I that's how I do it. I, I just manage it day by day. It's purpose. Live your purpose. Yes. I love that. So before
0: we let you go, I have a couple of fun questions for yes. you. Yes, are you are yes. you prepared?
1: <laughs> I'm not prepared, <laughs> but <laughs> do you trust me? I trust you.
0: Okay. Um, if you were any character from a movie, who would you be? What best describes you?
1: Oh my gosh. So this is a loaded question. Again, I would say. So I'm not a big movie person, so I'm trying to think about, like, probably Jean Grey from X-Men. And I know that sounds crazy, but let me explain. Like, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy And the fact that I know her full name, yes. <laughs> um, I would say Jean because I feel like the power of the mind is so, like, you know, because her and Professor X, like, they deal with the mind. And, again, I'm a very intellectual. But I also have the silly and serious side, but I, I feel like she has that. She has a little bit of both, but she is like just managing your mind and understanding how others think. If I could just tap into your mind right now, Jamie, I would you do that. <laughs> um, so I just think like understanding how people think and why they do what they do and all of those things is really intriguing to me.
0: I love that answer. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Orange or purple?
1: Oh my gosh. Really? I would say orange. Yes. I'm shocked. Okay. I would say, oh wow. Why? I don't know. I just, I
0: would have assumed purple.
1: I like orange because I feel like it's purple is more subdued and it's more chill. Purple is royalty by the way. That's, it's a royal color. It's my favorite. Yes, it is royalty. I just feel like the orange though, it's loud it's vibrant but that's why it's both orange and purple I love it
0: (laughs) I love it I only thought because since we seem to like the same things I thought you would have screamed out purple because you know that I'm (laughs) I'm purple all day every day and what is your favorite quote I know you have a lot of quotes up there
1: I do I do and I would say one of my favorite quotes and I may not repeat it verbatim, but it's really about life is not about waiting until the rain is over. It's about dancing in the rain. Mm. And I left a similar quote in my high school yearbook, by the way, um, because I feel like sometimes everyone wants life to be perfect. It has to be in this perfect package. You have to have everything exactly right before you take a a bet on yourself and go into your own business before you take a risk and say, I'm going to move here for a new job and a new company, or before you take a risk and say, hey, I'm going to explore this new role. So at the end of the day, we're looking for things to be perfect and we're looking to feel like there's never going to be any fear. And I'll know when I'm ready for that next big thing because there won't be any fear.
0: I love that. Dance in the rain.
1: Dance in the rain. Dance in the rain. Do and it af- anyway.
0: After every storm, a rainbow appears, right?
1: Yes. I love that um favorite book oh my gosh so one of my favorite books is The Secret Garden and I have to go back there I know people are like did she really say The Secret Garden from Frances Hodgins (laughs) but yes one of my that's one of my favorites one of my recent favorites is Braving the Wilderness by Dr. Brene Brown but the reason I, I would say both um Is really, The Secret Garden is really a story of redemption, and it's really a story about someone who thought they couldn't do something, but then someone came into their world and challenged them. So I don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't read The Secret Garden, but um, it is one of my favorite um, stories because it's really about someone coming in and exposing you to something different and the power of, if you can believe that much in somebody else. Imagine what they can do. Sometimes all people need is someone else to just believe in them. Wow. Yes.
0: That's so true. That's so true. Uh, are you a dog or a cat person?
1: I would say, to be honest with you, neither. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> but She it, loves people, not I do. animals.
1: I do. And I will share funny <laughs> stories. Oh, oh, gosh. I don't know if I can share this here. But um, I actually did not have success growing up. So we had a fish. I overfed the fish and so we I don't want to say what happened, but I overfed the fish. I thought it needed food every hour of ev- every day. Um, I also had a turtle and it escaped. Um, and so, and then my uncle had a bird and I opened the window and opened the cage, and I didn't realize, like I thought, oh, the bird needs to be free and flying <laughs> around, and it flew out of the window. So I just am neither. Like when it comes, people have told me to just stay away. Um but I would, if I had to choose, I would say a dog, and it would be a Yorkie.
0: How very specific!
1: Yes, yeah, so I have thought about it. No, but... it's
0: funny that, you said that so you with pets is me with plants. I shouldn't be trusted with plants. So I don't know how I've kept <laughs> animals and people alive, but I can't keep a plant alive to save my life. So we yep. all have our talents, right? Yes, just own what you are, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, Nicole, this has been so much fun for us. It's it's always great to see you and have you in. Thank you so much for joining us in one um, in the Pfeiffer Innovation Hub. I think you've left us with so many great nuggets to think about and so much inspiration for our day. So we wish you so much continued happiness and success in all that you do. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great day.
1: This episode was produced by the Clemson University MBA program and sponsored by the Pfeiffer Innovation Hub. Thanks for listening to the Clemson MBA in one podcast. Hear more stories at www.clemson.edu slash MBA slash podcast.